Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Thursday night Parashat Shavua class. We are studying Parashat Kitavo. Tonight's uh, shiur is Le'ilui uh, Nishmat, um, a, uh, a, someone who was in contact with me um, recently, whose mother passed away a few years ago, and he asked me to uh, uh, dedicate this shiur in memory of, of, his, uh, of his mother, uh, Sophia Bat Yuval is her name, Zichonal Livracha, and uh, therefore the words of Torah that we say this evening should be Li'ului Nishmata. Parashat Ki Tavo, amongst a few mitzvot that are mentioned, however the crux of the parasha, as we know, deals with the horrific curses, the 98 curses that are mentioned in the parasha in Aliyat Shishi, and uh, I always say every year to um, to students or to congregants, if uh, you want to change, I just read the curses. It doesn't take much. Just on a very very simple level, a person reads the the, the kelalot and the English translations, and he can't help but be awestruck and shocked as these words come out of. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu, obviously speaking in the name of Hashem, for someone who doesn't follow the Torah, for someone who doesn't make Hashem a part of his life. With your permission, tonight I want to just touch on a, a couple of ideas on, on these curses. Specifically, we'll start with the last curse of the 98, and then we'll, we'll get better, we'll finish off on a, on a good note. But the last curse in this week's parasha, and I quote, Ve'eshivecha Hashem Mitzrayim ba'oniot, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will return you to Egypt in ships. Baderech asher amarti lecha, on the road of which I said to you, Lotosif od lirota, you shall never see it again. The same road that I told you, you're never going to go back to Egypt, I'm going to send you back there. And there you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as slaves and slave women, but there will be no buyer. This is the last curse of the Kelalot in Parashat Kitavon. Rashi writes on this Pasuk, what does it mean that he says, you want to be bought as a slave, and yet no one will buy you. It's a very chilling statement. But I read something recently in the name of Rabbi Friend, who goes in depth a lot of the Kilalot, and a lot of what we're going to say tonight is from him. I read something that makes it even more chilling. The Ramban in Parashat Pechukotai, which is the first set of curses found in our Torah, he explains that the the tochachot, the, the curses found in Sefer Vaikra, which is in Parashat Bechukotai, corresponds to the first destruction of the Bet HaMikdash, the first exile. And the second tochacha, which is the one in this week's parasha, Parashat Kitavo, refers to the destruction of the second Bet HaMikdash. And he shows, he goes in, in, in depth, 
and he lists all the Kelalot, and he shows how all the things mentioned at the end of Vaikra happen at the end of the first Jewish commonwealth, and subsequently in the exile of Babel, Babylonia, that followed. And he also proves how the Tochacha found in Parashat Kitavo is in reference to what happened after the destruction of the second Bet HaMikdash, the second Jewish commonwealth. Here's a few ideas that the Ramban shares. He says that the curses in Devarim, in Parashat Kitavo, that Hashem will bring upon us, an enemy from a faraway land. So as we know, the second Bet HaMikdash was destroyed by the Romans, a Roman conquest, who was a nation that was very, very far away from Eretz Israel. It speaks about Goy Asher Lo Yadata. It's one of the uh, verses mentioned in the Kelalot, about a nation that you do not recognize, a language that you do not understand. This was only the case in the second exile by the Romans. This was not the case in the exile of Babel, in the Babylonian exile, because they were taken to Babel, which was next door to Eretz Israel. Babel is modern-day Iraq, so it's next door to Israel. It was a language that they were familiar with. As we know, what happened in Babel was the start of the Talmud. So it was not something that it was a foreign language. Not only that, the Pasuk tells us in, in this week's Parashat HaKelalot, Ve'efitzecha Hashem bechol ha'amim mikseh ha'aretz v'atketzeh ha'aretz. So too Hashem will disperse you from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And that refers to our present Galut, our present exile, where we are spread all across the globe. And finally the Ramban points out that the Tochacha in our parasha concludes with the Pasuk that I started the Shi'ur with. That Hashem will bring you back to Egypt in boats. And this happened, he says, in our present exile. Now Ramban lived uh, in the 1100s, but he says this happened. Titus, Titus, the Roman general who destroyed the second Bet HaMikdash, he filled the slave boats with Jewish prisoners and took them all over the world. I don't know who's listening now live and those who are listening uh, in, at a future time to a recording of this shiur, but ask yourself the following question, whether or not you've ever been to Italy before. It's a simple question. It's a yes or no. Either you have been to Italy or you haven't been to Italy. One thing I can guarantee you, if you have visited Italy, the country of Italy, you've probably visited Rome. And if you visited Rome, more uh, likely you also went to visit the Roman Colosseum. And it's probably the most moving part of that trip when you see how grand and how large this structure was. And although it's something to see, because I've been to Rome and I saw the Colosseum with my own eyes and it's just gigantic in size, but the Colosseum actually represents a very tragic point, part of our history. You see, they built the Colosseum, with the money that Titus, Titus, stole from the Bet HaMikdash treasury after it was destroyed, which he plundered. He took with him 95,000 captives, and those captives built the Roman Colosseum. Now imagine you are standing in this place, the Colosseum, which is now in ruins, but it's still very recognizable as something that was 
um, incredible probably to see when it was up and running. It's not a whole lot different than a modern-day football stadium. Uh, it's round. There's a playing field in the center. It sat around 70,000 people. And there you are. You're looking at this place and you're thinking, Jewish money and Jewish hands built this Colosseum. It's a tragic, tragic place. If you know the history, why they built that place and where, where the money came from. The gladiators over there used to fight to the death. Not only that, this went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. 500 years. Football is a season of 18 games where only 9 of them are played in their home field. Imagine the Roman Colosseum. 500 years every single day. 70,000 people from all over the Roman Empire, including the emperors themselves coming to this place for the crowd's entertainment. And they used to have prisoners and slaves who were forced to run out in the center of the Colosseum, the field. And who was waiting for them? Starving lions who haven't been fed for three or four days. And the lions would come out and see these fragile slaves and captives and rip them to shreds, devouring them. This was the entertainment of the Holy Roman Empire. People in the stands would see this and cheer once the lions ate them and devoured them and ripped them to shreds. And many of these people, many of these individuals who were killed by the lions were Jewish slaves. The problem was they weren't actually slaves. This is what the Pasuk is teaching us. They were offered for sale as slaves, but no one purchased them. No one bought them. They were so weak, so old, no one wanted to buy a slave like that. A slave needs to be a worker, an able-bodied person. So what did they do with all the sick, with all the infirm and the old Jews who were offered as slaves and nobody wanted to purchase them? They were the people who were fed to the lions. And this is the final curse of the Tochacha in this week's parasha. Imagine how bad things get when it's actually a blessing to be purchased as a slave. Wow, if you were, if that man was able to be purchased as a slave, well, lucky you. Say a beracha. Because many, many were not that lucky. But let's talk about a blessing. There's a certain expression in this week's parasha, prior to the curses, that talks about what happens if a person performs a mitzvot and, takes, and heeds the commandments of God. And it will be that if you will hear the commandments that I command you today, to perform all the commandments, and therefore, if you were to do so, all the berachot, all the blessings will come upon you, means and overtake you. If you were listening to Hashem, your God. This word, Vehisigucha, is an expression that is discussed and commented on by many, many Chachamim, Rishonim, and Mefarshim throughout history. Again, Rabbi Fran brings down three, three commenta- commentaries on this word, Vehisigucha. What does it mean that the blessings will come upon you and overtake you? 
Vihisigucha. And he says, from these three commentaries, there's a tremendous lesson to learn from each one of them. And the first interpretation that he brings down is in the name of the Seforno, Ravavadya Seforno. And he writes on this pasuk very cryptically that the blessings will come upon you even though you will not attempt to get to them. Now what does that mean? What does it mean I will not attempt to get the blessing? Rabbeinu Bechaye, one of the great uh, Kabbalists, and also a, a wrote a commentary on Chumash. He prefaces each parasha, right before he writes his commentary on the parasha, he prefaces it with a pasuk from Mishlei. And somehow he ties in, he writes a little mini essay, and he ties in that pasuk to what we're about to study in the parasha. In Parashat Shelach, he quotes the Pasuk from Mishle, Sus Muchan Leyom Milchama. The horse is ready for the day of battle. Velashem Ateshua. And to Hashem belongs salvation. It's a Pasuk in Mishle in Perkaf Aleph. We'll get to that Bezrat Hashem in our Mishle class. And he expands on the lesson of the Pasuk. If you hear some background noise, it's because it's uh, raining pretty hard here. Um, so that's the background noise. And he he says, the lesson here in this pasuk is that everything in life, it's necessary to make preparations. And, uh, and according to the preparations you make, will usually lead to a, a person to success if everything goes properly. And if the situation around you looks like war, then the people need to take preparations. They need to prepare for war. In the biblical times, that meant grabbing the horses and the chariots. In other times, it meant swords and spears as your uh, battle artillery. In other times, it was catapults. Today, it's an air force. It's navy. It's foot soldiers. Already. That's what preparation is. It's forbidden to sit back and say, Oh, we're at war. I'm not going to do anything. Hashem, take care of it. No, you have to prepare. However, after all the preparations, a person needs to realize what Shlomo HaMelech says, You start, your preparation is Your preparation is the horse. But it ends with That Hashem is a salvation. Salvation does not come from planes. It does not come from tanks. It does not come from large boats and ships. It comes from Akados Paruchum. And that's a reality on how God works in this world. Things must appear natural. But at the end of the day, it's not the planes and the tanks. It's God. It's Hashem is a salvation. And Rabbeinu Bechayeh then cites another example. He says when a person is sick, a person is obligated to visit a doctor and take the appropriate medications. He has to save, he has to do what he can to heal himself and save his life. And that will hopefully cure the illness that he has by na- by natural means. And I quote that, natural means. Healthy foods need to be eaten. We have to distance ourselves from harmful foods and take, again, all the proper medicines and vitamins, so on and so forth. But in the end of the day, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Zerofei Kol Basar, Umafi Lasot. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who cures all, for, all the flesh. And therefore, Hashem does not ask us only to pray for Him for cures. 
and that we otherwise do nothing in terms of, uh, of, of, of taking advantage of medical knowledge. That's not the way the world works. The Almighty doesn't perform open miracles on a daily basis for everybody. He wants us to take the medicine and to seek medical advice. But He does perform hidden miracles. And the hidden miracles means that we need to set up a camouflage. We have to get a good surgeon. We have to get a good doctor. We have to get good ad- medical advice. But don't forget who's the one who really cures all flesh and, heal- and heals all, uh, 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 all the people. This is what the Sephorno meant when he says, All those blessings will come upon you. You will do all the things that are necessary to achieve the blessings that you seek. Whether that's victory when you're fighting in war, or health, or sustenance. But ultimately, it's vehisigucha. Those blessings are not going to come as a result of your efforts. They're going to catch up with you. They are going to overtake you because it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. It's His way of getting the blessings to you as such. That is what He wants. It appears that it's coming through natural means. And this is the interpretation of the Siforno. Another explanation that is brought down in the name of the Degel Machane Ephraim, who was the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. He also analyzes this word, Vehisigucha. And he references a very famous pasuk that we know. Ach tov yirdefuni kol Where David HaMelech says in Tehilim, only goodness and kindness shall pursue me, yirdefuni, all the days of my life. Now the word yirdefuni means to chase somebody. It's chasing me. When I'm running away from someone, or or running away from something bad, which is pursuing me, then it makes sense to use the verb yirdefuni, lirdof. It's odd, however, to use the verb in connection with tov and chesed. Ach tov yirdefuni, goodness and kindness. What can we say about tov chesed that they're chasing me? That means I'm running away from tov and chesed? I'm not going to run away from the good and the kindness. If someone wants to offer me a million dollars, I'm going to run away. I'm going to run after him. Le'efech, why am I running away from tov chesed? So he explains that sometimes we don't know where the tov is going to come from. Sometimes we try a certain plan or approach, but success doesn't come from that direction. So David Melech is praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and saying, Please Hashem, if I am running away from that which is eventually going to be good for me, then have that good, have that tov and chesed chase after me. Yirdefuni. Because I'm not going to be wise enough to figure out that this is the direction that it's really going to come. The very famous story we mentioned once in our Mesilat Sharim class last year of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Mibardichev who saw a person running, running very fast and he stopped him because where are you running to? And the runner said, I'm running to a certain place because I know over there in that place I'm going to make a good business deal. He was running to, to sign a, a contract or a deal. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak asked him, how are you so sure that your livelihood is in the place to which you are running? Perhaps your Parnassah is right here and therefore you're running away from it. That was his response. 
We just don't know where our sustenance is coming from. So says the Degel Machane Ephraim, this is the interpretation of the Pasuk. All the blessings will come upon you and they will catch up to you. Sometimes we run away from the Chesed. We run away from the good and it needs to chase us. It's not sufficient for the blessings just to come upon us. What often happens, we are headed in the wrong direction. We have to, we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have the Tov and Chesed come after us and all the Berachot. The third interpretation, which again, Rav Fran quotes, and he actually says he loves this one the best, is from Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin. And he writes in the name of Rabuni Mipeshischa, the expression that Veisigucha, they will overtake you, means that the blessings should reach you where you are exactly where you are. Now, it's not in reference to your physical location as to where you are. This means that the blessings should not change you, should not change who you are. The brachot that you will receive will reach you where you are and you will not become a different person because of them. All too often we see that when a person comes into a lot of success and a lot of money, it changes him. He becomes a different person. Fame could do that. Fortune can do that. It happens to Hollywood movie stars all the time. It happens to people that win the lottery all the time. I believe there was uh, uh, once a reality television show that says, I, I think it was titled, I won the lottery and I lost it all, or I became broke, or I ruined my life. The promise is, according to Rav Tzadok, that the blessings should reach you and cause you to remain exactly where you were before they arrived. And Rabbi Fran actually explains why he prefers this explanation more than the other two. Not that the other two are not uh, important, they're also great. And he says, because 13 Pesukim later, almost verbatim, the same expression is used when it comes to the curses. If you are not going to listen to my voice and the mitzvot and follow the mitzvot, then, All the curses will overtake you. So according to the first two interpretations that we said, it doesn't make sense to use that interpretation in connection with the curses. But it makes sense with this approach that we just said, Rav Tzadok. Just like good things can sometimes change a person, so too, bad things, chas v'shalom, can also change a person. And if, a, if unfortunately a person needs to suffer curses, he should not need to change because of that either. Now, the only thing he should change, obviously, is towards his avodat Hashem. We know that everything bad that happens to us is, is a reason, is musar, tochagaz, for us, to come closer to Hashem, but not not change myself as uh, just an individual and, and think differently. Ah, okay, so I, I lost all my money, so uh, now I'm, not, I'm no longer going to go to the synagogue anymore because that's a hefech, you're moving farther away from Hashem. So many times in life we see when a person, again, is showered with blessings, they change him. He's not the same person anymore. Success in business and wealth, prestige. That the blessings that a person receives, we should not allow those blessings to get to our head. We have to remain. We have to remain the way we are, and we should be the same person who we were. And there is a silver lining also to the curse. 
And all these curses shall fall upon you, like the Pasuk says. Sometimes a person has so many bad things that happen to him that those negative experiences change him as well. He can't handle all of his misfortune. And he's changed by it. He goes into a depression. Emotionally, he's distraught. He can't handle it. Wounds relationships with family, with his children, with his peers and his colleagues. And the Pasuk is hinting at the fact that even the curses should not have a corrosive effect on a person that sometimes comes with mis- misfortune. Vadai, we have to improve our Avodat Hashem, but shouldn't affect the people that are around us. We need to pray. We need to pray that this be the case amongst ourselves and amongst our brothers in Eretz Yisrael. Whenever, God forbid, tragedies befall us, we hear of tragedies happening all too often. You know, I can't help. You read stories in New York and Eretz Yisrael, you know, fellow Jews dying young, hit hit by a car, chas shalom. you know, young people dying of heart attacks, COVID, there's so many different things happening in this world, mamash tragedies, and you almost, sometimes you get immune from the, sh- from the shock of it already. You just, you know, you, you see it and like, oh, okay, another, another person died of COVID. Okay, at the beginning it was shocking, but now, okay, we, it, it's sad that this is what's happening. So whenever you hear of a tragedy, chas shalom, we have to stop and think, can we imagine the pain that the family is going through? What it, what it is to, to experience such disaster in a life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has his calculations and no question, we have to accept him. Hatsur tamim paolo The rock, his actions are pure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu in reference to Hatsur. But even if we understand it as good and we know that everything that happens in this world is good, but even if we believe it's good, especially when it comes to the next world, in this world it's hard to see it's good. For In our eyes it's bad. It's bad when you see a tragedy. We believe that it's good in the next world, Vadai, and that God has His master plan, but right now it feels horrible. The hope always is that the people were able to overcome tragedy, overcome the curses that befall upon them, and the misfortune, overcome them so that it doesn't change themselves and their personality. It doesn't warp or corrode who they are, and their behaviors. We pray that people have the strength to go on and live their lives in the way that they lived it before. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like we say, he's a healer. He's a healer not just of our physical blemishes, but even of the blemishes of our live, of our emotions, and our hearts. There's so many broken hearts among us in the last six months. Terrible, terrible happenings and, 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 and tragedies. And even though... These are curses that befall us, and we don't understand why they happen. We hope that the victims and the and, and and the witnesses and the family members of these tragedies should not be changed by these misfortunes. We have to pray for that. We hope that uh, they should have the strength to carry on despite all the bad, evil tidings and curses that have befallen them. I want to end with a story. I said that I'll end on a on a good note. I know maybe tonight's your made us think a little bit, but that's what we have to do. We have to do that not just 
and when we get uh, to the month of Elul, where we all, there's a lot of introspection, but especially when we get to this parasha, which always falls out right before Rosh Hashanah, for us to think. But I end on a positive note. I end with a story set over by Rav Shalom Shwadron, who was the Magid of Yerushalayim. The story is found in the book, The Magid Speaks, if you want to look at it, of Rav Solomon Shapiro. And as a young man, in the 1940s, Rabbi Shapiro was a chaplain in the a medical center in Brooklyn. And one afternoon, he received a frantic call from the president of the institution, a man known as uh, Ike, who told him, my brother has been in a terrible, terrible car accident, and he's now in a coma. And we have to tell my dad but the news could kill him. So Ike's father, of this dad, Rabbi Yosef Chaim, at the time was in his late 80s. And he was a gentleman, quiet man. He used to give shiurim twice a week to people in the home. And this Rav Shapiro went himself to Rav Yosef Chaim in his 80s house. And he found him sitting quietly in his living room. And uh, he was thinking, how am I going to tell this man that his own son is in a very serious coma and may not survive the night because of a car accident? So he told him, Rav Yosef Chaim, please, I'd like you to come with me in my car for a while. I have to take you someplace. And he was planning on taking him to the hospital. And the old man agreed. And together they drove and they picked up his other son, Ike, and they headed towards Mount Sinai Hospital. And as they traveled to Manhattan, Rabbi Shapiro explained to Rabbi Yosef Chaim that his son, Herschel, had been in a very serious car accident and they were going to go visit him. And the old man, the father, without any shock or disbelief, just sat there calmly. And he showed very little emotion. And he said quietly, with Hashem's help, he'll be well. And then he started talking about Torah. He started talking about a Gemara and Masechet Pesachim. And Rabbi Shapiro, who was the driver, thought it was, this was very, very strange that he's, he's, this man is so undisturbed about his own son who is laying in a coma. Here he's teaching Gemara. Like, what's happening over here? And as they were getting closer to the hospital, Rabbi Shapiro said, you know, maybe, maybe I need to be more upfront with Rabbi Yosef Chaim, what to expect when he sees him. So he says... Rabbi Yosef, I heard it was a very bad accident, trying to elicit some reaction, but again, he wouldn't take the bait. He just sat there calmly, waiting to get to the hospital. And they arrived in the hospital. His son, Herschel, was in a private room in an oxygen tent, hooked up to tubes protruding from all different parts of his body. And all members of his family looked around very sadly. They looked, they looked helplessly at him. But again, his father, Rav Yosef Chaim, in his 80s, didn't seem to worry. He stood by his son. He looked at him for a long moment. And he said to all the people around the bed, Don't worry. He'll be fine. And they all pitied this old man. Obviously, he wasn't in touch with reality. Maybe he was becoming senile. He was forgetting things. And Rabbi Shapiro thought in his head, he said, The doctors just gave this boy, this young man, a few hours to live. A few more hours, 
It didn't take much medical knowledge to realize how bad the situation was. Rav Yosef Chaim looked around, the father, at all the people and said, what do these young doctors know anyway? You think they know more than the Hafez Chaim? And he knew. Everyone looked at him and said, what is he talking about? And he said, the Hafez Chaim. The Hafez Chaim knew more than all the other doctors, all these doctors over here. Now let's go home. And no, everybody was staring at the father in disbelief. And and then when he got into the car, he told over to Rabbi Shapiro what exactly the Hafez Chaim happened, told him. And he says, when I was a young man and the Hafez Chaim was writing his famed Mishnah Berura, probably one of the most famous sets of Sefarim that we have today, commentary in the Shulchan Aruch, when he was writing the Mishnah Berura, he wanted simple people, not rabbis, simple people to read through the manuscripts to see if the average Jew would be able to understand what he had written. To write it on the level of a big Tamil Chacham and a rabbi, okay, but then the masses aren't going to be able to understand. So he took simple Jews to see, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, Rav Yosef Chaim says, I was one of his favorite readers. And I went through a good part of the Mishnah Berura for him. And years later, when I was ready to leave Europe and go to America, I went to visit the Chafetz Chaim and I asked him for a beracha. The Chafetz Chaim told me, if you continue to study Torah and remain Shomer Shabbat, you will have Arichut Yamim, you will have long life, and while you are alive, you will not lose any children. So then he turned at Rabbi Shapiro and all the people around him. He says, what do these doctors know? They know more than the Hafez Chaim. And Rabbi Shapiro and the other people were awestruck. They had never heard this before. And they took Rabbi Yosef Chaim home. And the next night, Ike called the rabbi to let him know that his son Herschel had moved his legs miraculously and then opened his eyes. And within weeks, Herschel was out of the hospital. And at that time, Yosef Chaim was 89 years old and he lived to be 96. And not one of his children or grandchildren died as long as he was alive. So you look around you, Rabotai, and yes, at first glance, it's a tragedy. And everyone's just ready to call it in. Everyone's ready to just give up hope. Everyone's ready to allow themselves to be changed. And Rav Yosef Chaim says, Not me. I have my beracha. I have my beracha from the Hafez Chaim that's going to come to me. And even though I don't know which direction it's coming from, it's Vehisi Gucha, it will overtake me. And that beracha I stuck with my whole life. I learned Torah, I kept Shabbat, I followed the mitzvot. The Hafez Chaim promised me this beracha. And I'm going to listen to a doctor. I'm going to listen to the Hafez Chaim instead. This is what we have to do. Constantly have our faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do what we need to do. Perform the actions. Do act in the ways that we're supposed to act. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu Be'ezrat Hashem bring us the Berachot Ve'hisigucha. It will overtake us. May God Batel Ma'alenu Kol Gezerot Kashot Ve'raot 
May he annul all the evil decrees and all the curses from amongst us and our brethren around the world. And Bezrat Hashem, should be zocheh to only berachot, gezor alenu gezerot tovot, much berachot in our lives. Have a wonderful night, everyone. Be well. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.